Hello, and welcome to another Industry Careers for PhDs podcast brought to you by Cheeky Scientist. I'm your host, Isaiah Henkel, and today we will be talking with Cedric Brule um, about management consulting positions. If you are interested in listening to the full interview uh, and getting access to all of these interviews live, being able to attend them live, go to cheekyscientist.com backslash association and, you, and learn about becoming an associate. If you'd like these highlights um, delivered as podcasts to your email inbox, go to cheekyscientist.com and email subscribe on that page in the bottom center. And you can also listen to these podcasts and all of our podcasts uh, on iTunes. Uh, so once again, we will be talking with Cedric Brule today about management consulting. Uh, Cedric is a French scientist with an academic background. He passed his PhD in chemistry in 2004 in France. Then he went for two successive postdoctoral fellowships abroad, both in um, an academic environment, first in uh, at Kent State University in Ohio, and then later in Belgium, uh, in Europe, of course. And after 10 years dedicated to academia, Cedric transitioned to the industry, uh, in, to industry and worked from a principal chemist position for a French pharmaceutical company during uh, the, the next two years. And then he, from there, he went into a scientific consulting position for the lawyer's firm, uh, Deloitte. Uh, So for five years now, he has been advising clients, mostly life science companies, on research and development funding in this management consulting position. So we're going to jump right in with Cedric now. Cedric, thank you for being here with us. Yeah, no problem, and thank you for the the kind introduction. Uh, Hello, everyone. All right, great. Um, just to make sure, can you guys all hear uh, Cedric okay? Uh, Cedric, might we need you to just speak up a little bit. You're, you're a little bit unclear. Let's try Let's try one more time. Just Yeah, you might have to just move the mic around a little bit. I want to make sure it's um, good for everyone. Of course. Of course. A little bit louder like this. Is that okay? Yeah, it's a bit louder. If you, do, if you speak louder, I think you're going to be fine. That, that is better. Okay. And you can okay. see the chat box. Yeah, you might just have to uh, mildly yell. I know it's usually just us Americans who yell, but uh, it would help. So, so thank you. <laughs> I understand. No problem. No problem. <laughs> okay, I can great. It's getting better now. Fine. Per- perfect. Uh, yeah. So, lots of experience. Uh, really appreciate you being here. What What's the, the firm that you're currently with? Uh, it is Taj. Taj is um, the the lawyer firm of uh, the Deloitte company. Ah, do the way. Okay. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So for those of you guys that that if, if you had trouble hearing, I will um, type it in here. I can type it to you. So yeah. So this is this is great. Um. So so Cedric, we we as you know we have an audience here of everyone who is trying to transition into a you know uh, industry role or or at the very least an alternative uh, career, and. You made this transition yourself, so one of the first questions I always like to ask is, what was the transition like for you? So you did two postdocs, and you, you know, you did, you were in academia for a very long time, all around the world. I guess what made you decide to transition into industry, and then what was the process like for you? Well, um, in my case, uh, I somehow always knew that I didn't really want to stay in academia, even before starting my PhD. Um, I didn't really want to become a, a teacher or researcher uh, and follow the, I would say, the logical path, you know. Uh, I guess I was okay with the teaching side of it, but inside me I didn't really feel like doing fundamental research and 
published paper just for the heck of it, you know. I wanted another purpose for my work, not just writing papers and prestigious journals and, and so on. So I guess I, I wanted something like um, a tangible meaning and contribute in some ways, you know, to a better world. So I guess for me, I, I needed to feel more useful uh, to the society. I don't know if it makes sense to you, but I didn't just want to publish papers. Um, uh, nonetheless, although I knew I was interested yes. in working in the industry, I still wanted to do a PhD, you know, and so I, I did and passed my PhD. And uh, thank you for my mentor at that time because uh, I've been able to do my PhD in organic chemistry uh, in collaboration with a uh, pharmaceutical company, uh, which was a good starting point for me. Yeah, absolutely. So just, just to kind of recap, so the, the big reason was you, I guess you didn't just want to publish, correct? Uh, well, yeah, correct. I mean, I, I, didn't, I didn't want just, you know, to, to, to do fundamental research and just publish just to fill in databases. And I, I just wanted something that is, was more real and then with direct effects. Um, what I could do, you know, a goal, a specific yes. goal. Yeah. Yeah. And um, in terms of the, the process of transitioning, so that was the reason why, and I think there's a lot of you listening right now that have a similar reason, right? I, you know, certainly you might enjoy publishing or you might not. Um, but when you're limited career-wise to only publishing, uh, you know, and that can be a, a big factor in deciding to transition to industry where, where you could do both and um, you, you can do other things as well. So in terms of the process of transitioning, what, I guess what, what was the most challenging part of your transition, Cedric, if you can think back a little bit? You know, try to put yourself back in the shoes of you know, all the PhDs who are listening now who are deciding to transition. I guess what was the, the challenging part for you and, and do you have any kind of tips, that you, any general tips you would, you would give them? Right, to transition uh, into the, um, the industry, right? Yes, exactly. Yes, because for me, um, I didn't think about the transition for the, the, the industry, but I, I completely understand that uh, most, of, uh, most of the students in PhD uh, take that as, as a transition. But for me, because I, I wanted before to starting my PhD, I wanted to go to, uh, to industry, it was not really a transition. I mean, in my mind, uh, at least, uh, when I was doing the, the, the real transitions for me was more when I was going to the consulting, uh, consulting work. You know what I mean? From what, what kind of work? You speak up a uh, little the, bit. The, yeah, the consulting, actually. For, for me, the, 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 oh. the, the transitioning process was more about the consulting that really going to, uh, to industry. Once again, just before in my in my mind, I, I knew that I wanted to go uh, uh, in industry for those reasons. So yes, well, the the the, the big things that I have to accept. Um, uh, well, let me explain that just uh, briefly. After after doing two postdoctoral fellowships abroad, I went back to France working within a pharmaceutical company as a uh, I was a project leader and principal scientist. So I was working in the upstream part of the pharmaceutical development, uh, meaning that my mission relied still on a large part of applied research and scientific experimentation. 
my projects were meaningful since I worked on finding new active ingredients, you know. Um, however, I realized that my job that I was still just about 90% of the time on the bench conducting experiments. And mm. somehow, somehow I knew that I wanted something more. Uh, I knew that I wanted uh, more interaction, you know, with uh, other scientists like Dennis. Uh, I knew that I wanted maybe to be involved more in the project decision on a business point of view or something like that. Yes. And, well, basically, I, I wanted more cross-section responsibility. Mm. And not, not just doing research uh, in another context, uh, you know, just uh, doing yeah. research. Yeah, well, and this is similar. No, I think that's an important point. I'm just going to jump in real quick because we, you know, last week's webinar we talked about uh, cross-functional work, right? And, and I think, right. you know, if if you want to stay at the bench and work on one project. Uh, in depth, you know, academia is a great place for you. But if you want to do some of this cross, where do you call it, cross-sectional, cross-functional work, um, transitioning is a smart move. And also on that note, what so what motivated you specifically to transition into management consulting, Cedric? Yes. Well, what, yeah. What, why did you man? Why did you transition into management consulting in particular? Well, because uh, as I said, you know, for me, doing research. Uh, in academia, in academia is one thing. Doing research in, in industry is another thing. But for me, it was kind of the same uh, because I was mostly 90% uh, of the time at the bench, you know, doing some experiments. So the, the overall context was just about just a little bit different. But for me, I needed, I needed more than you know just experimenting on the bench. On the bench, I, I, I wanted. Mm. Cross-section responsibility, more than that. So I decided to enter into the consulting, uh, consulting firm uh, where I am now, actually. So what it is that I do now is that I, I advise my clients who are the life science company, basically, and I advise them on financial aspect of their research. So basically, for me now, I'm on the other side of the fence, you know, not doing research anymore, and this is the moment for me, I mean, that is the transition for me when I finally realized that I was living research for good and mm. somehow I would say, well, I shouldn't say that, but somehow I, I felt like betraying my education, you know. Well, I say somehow because, you know, when you spend so many years uh, learning and working in academia, science and uh, doing what you did that you, you do, you know, at some point you feel guilty to say no to this anymore or to do something else. And for me, going into industry, even if, mm. uh, if it meant leaving academia, wasn't really cheating on my education, it's that since I still got to do research but just in a different context, you know. Yeah, no, this, and this is a good point. I mean, so, uh, and, I, and I love when we have, you know, outside guests bring this up for you guys, uh, for, for those of you listening. How many of you have felt a sense, maybe even just a mild sense, or maybe it was more social pressure in academia that maybe you were betraying your academic training by wanting to transition into industry, or that you would be giving up something? Anybody in the chat box, if you felt that way at all, don't lie. I think we've all we've all felt that way, right? Um, yeah, it's very common. I mean, yeah, because you you spent your whole life 
being trained um, to do academic research, and plus, you know, you see other people. I mean, it's just it's kind of bred into to academia. So I, I, I appreciate you sharing that, and. So obviously you were able to get over these feelings, like you just said, and you're able to see that, you know, going into industry, it's, you know, especially for this position, it's utilizing your academic training, especially in your case, you know, and many of you who are listening, you have a broad background. Maybe you've done multiple postdocs or you've gone on to do a postdoc and you've gone on to switch what you were studying on, whatever it might be. This prepares you for positions like management consulting and other cross-sectional, cross-functional positions. So I do want to break down exactly how you entered into management consulting and like the interview process and, and, and these things, but, but first, maybe you can talk a little bit about what it's exactly like, because I think a lot of people, they love the idea of management consulting. It's, I don't know, it has this, um, you know, it just seems like a very high-level position, right? We have a lot of people saying, oh, management consulting, those people are really smart and really tough. Um, you know, a lot of them don't realize that you're going to be spending long hours uh, on, on projects and cases. So maybe you can talk about the day-to-day, -day, what does your, your, your the job of a management consultant look like? Yeah, sure. Well, as a consultant, my job is to advise clients uh, who perform R&D and uh, how they could properly fund their project, you know, uh, related to grants or mostly research tax credits because in France, we have a, a financing tool that is the research tax credit and it's quite powerful since it covers up to 30% of your research expenses for the, uh, for the uh, industry. So, which is quite, uh, which is uh, something that is claimed uh, more and more by, uh, by companies and different sizes. And, well, the difference between my actual job and the position within the industry is that your projects uh, are your clients and you work with about 20 different clients, you know, at the same time, basically. Um, one thing we have to know is, uh, when you work as a consultant like me in financing R&D projects, uh, it's a, um, it's an activity that has a uh, turnover of a year. So basically you have different phases, uh, all over the year. Um, first thing that you, 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 you do, you, you have an um, audit phase. And uh, the audit phase is basically you interact with your clients and you, uh, you audit their technical projects. So you get to talk with um, R&D directors or as well with CFOs because for the, for the tax, uh, tax uh, part of the, of the RTC. You have a second phase. Um, where you account for various expenses and calculate the fair amount of research tax credit that the company can claim. And finally, you have another aspect of the, of the job is to produce a technical supporting document for the authorities uh, in which you describe both your calculation approach and your client projects. So you, you get to, to interact with your clients on the technical point of view. Uh, you get as well to write down a little bit of their research in order to justify your approach to the authorities. So you have different aspects of the of the job uh, as a consultant here. And since you work mm. with several clients at the same time, you deal with lots of deadlines, sometimes very, very short. So it could be very demanding environment and it forces you to anticipate uh, and absorb activity peaks sometimes, you know. So 
that, that, that could be the difference with um, you know, an academic environment, uh, which is a little, a little bit less stressful, I would say. So, in, in yes. that sense, you, you, you have to be well organized and being able to work several missions yeah, simultaneously. Uh, of course, the position requires you to commit to your clients and I would say work about 50 hours a week or something like that, depending on how efficient you are. But you shouldn't see the, um, the position and the job as something that is, uh, as you said, you know, for uh, really clever people. Or if nobody can get there. So if I was able to do that, I mean, everybody is pretty much able to do that as well. Uh, it's just um, a matter of uh, commitment and motivation, you know. If you feel like you don't really fit in academia for some reason, or you wouldn't fit as well for research uh, within the industry, maybe because you want something else, you know, maybe because you want a, uh, to know a little bit more about what really drives the project, you know, besides science. So maybe you want to know how you manage the project on the business side of it. You know. I guess the best advice. Uh, I should say in that case, you, you should, no matter what, you should listen to your um, inner voice and don't feel guilty about you know, living academia in that manner. So. No, I think that's good. Um, what does a I guess a day in the life look like? So when you when you go into work, um, you know how, how are things divided up? Are you you have a couple of months working on one project and then you go to another project? What, what is it? What does it look like? I guess more in, in detail, like when you when you walk into the office, like what are you doing specifically? Well, uh, depending on the the, the the time of the of the year you're you're working on, if you have an audit phase or uh, you know writing justification phase or whatsoever, uh, basically you're gonna have to to think about all your clients because. The deadlines of your clients are pretty much, you know, the same time, you know, going at the same pace within the year. Uh, so basically, you can wake up in the morning and have a big day with, you know, you, you're going to have to handle like three, uh, four, five, or even maybe eight or ten clients within the day. Mm. So sometimes you will have just to answer a question. You will have to uh, to send them a um, deliverable. Uh, you will have to contact them for any reason. You will, you will have to uh, to find um, the time slot for an appointment, or uh, even go to a meeting with another one within the day. So you have to be well organized for that matter. You know, you have to you have to well, yeah, you, you have to be ready to have a client calling you uh, during the day, and then you know be able to. Either answer them on the spot or plan something with them later on. You know, just yeah. When I say that, you you, you should be able to handle uh, different several clients simultaneously. Depending on the mm. time of the year, it's pretty much it's really you know sometimes it could be very uh, very demanding for that. Yeah. No, this is good. And I, I think you know this is something that there's always a there's always kind of like it's like a black box, like many things in industry for PhDs. You know, what exactly are you doing as a management consultant? I mean, obviously people study. You know, you do case studies and things you have to do to get into the position. But what is 
you know, what does it look like on a daily basis? So I appreciate right, that. Right. Um, oh, sorry. No. no, go ahead, please. I just wanted to add that, you know, the, 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 the work-life balance is perfectly manageable anyway, and uh, it's probably necessary to prevent any kind of burning out, but uh, no, well, no, I, I'm just, I don't want to darken the picture here, but, um, you know, in my case, uh, I am a dad, I, I, and I value family time, you know, so I try to handle the work-life balance as best as I can. That's really easy on an everyday basis, but uh, it's largely of course, it's possible to do that. You know, well, and anybody of you uh, be able to do that as well. Yeah. Hmm. And I guess you know, moving forward a little bit. So, we, or I guess moving backward, actually. So, th this is what the, the position looks like. What did you know? What were the challenges you faced in terms of transitioning into that position? Like, what did it look like to move from academia, or you know? Uh, uh, from your current industry position into management consulting, um, right? Especially as a PhD, like what did the process look like? Right, right, and and that is a, a very good question indeed uh, because it wasn't really that easy at first for me, and I guess the hardest thing was since you we are highly educated and we come from an area in which people respect us for our knowledge and our work, it was really hard for me at first to have to prove it all from scratch in another area, you know, which in my case is, is the tax system. Uh, I didn't know anything about that before. Um, indeed, today I'm, I'm working now with lawyers and other, other scientists, except scientists for sure. So people won't be able to judge you on your technical skills since they don't understand a single word what you are good at and uh, what you are used to do. So you are going, you are going to make a difference in that kind of, uh, consulting uh, work, you know, in that kind of work. You are going to make a difference not on what you know best, but on your abilities to get the job done in time, on, in, for instance, how to interact with clients or how to just uh, just about your self-confidence, you know, it's just about mm. showing your, your, your kind of self-confidence in order to gain their trust, not only from your boss, but only from your client too. So you have, you have two aspects of the job actually. You have to, to get credit from your boss and from the client. So at some point, it is not just about, uh, skills and, uh, what you know and your PhD degree. It's more about confidence. Uh, that's pretty much about it because they won't judge you, once again, they won't judge you on uh, your knowledge and what you know, if it is chemistry, physics, and literature, or whatever that you, you've been doing for the year. They will judge you on how confident you are. Yeah, and I think that's an important point. We talk a lot about this. Um, displaying that confidence in yourself, right? At, in, in your PhD, in your training. Uh, this, this is something that you guys need to develop, right? Uh, at least develop the ability, I mean, you, ha you have this confidence, you should, you should know your value, but you have to develop the ability to, to express it uh, correctly, which is what, what I believe Cedric is talking about. Okay, okay. And, and actually, I, I, I wanted to um, raise another challenge for me, 
uh, while transitioning into the, the consulting profession. Um, being able to handle several projects and several clients simultaneously was very hard for me at the beginning because, uh, well, when you work on your PhD thesis, you know, you pretty much have one project uh, with a three-year deadline. Plus, it is not really deadline since a science project never really ends, you know. So you try to find a magic pill to end your story uh, at the end of your, your PhD. So I wouldn't say that we are talking about real big rushes in terms of, uh, of deadline when you're doing a computing or PhD. Uh, but when you work as a consultant, every client is king and you should be able to handle every single one of them on the same level of quality. Uh, and respect their short notice deadlines. Um, it's a very different environment, and I have to admit that I had I had for at first, you know, to anticipate uh, peaks of activity and prevent working late at, late at night. But I, I guess I, after a while, you know, after a few late working sessions, you're okay with that, and you learn the job quickly. I guess, but uh, it wasn't that easy for me at the, at the beginning. So. I'm not saying that it is really hard or impossible to do. I won't want to scare you here, you know. We all have the potential to achieve that at some point. But just keep in mind that uh, academia doesn't teach you or prepare you for that. So you know the industry reality and that it could be difficult at first sometimes. So but you shouldn't stop mm -hmm. that get used to no, I think that's a good point. Again, going back a couple steps to when we're talking about work-life balance and then what you do and do exactly uh, on a daily basis. Um, so, so in your particular role, um, do you help with R&D funding to your clients? Um, do, for example, do you help them identify investors or do you write grants? Uh, do you work with both private and public clients? Can you Are you able to answer any of these questions? Yeah, of course. So, uh, well, basically my job is Mostly about the uh, the research tax credit because it's uh, something that everybody claims uh, these days, and uh, the research is uh, it's quite okay and eligible for this kind of uh, tool something to. But of course, we work with grants as well uh, on the side. So if a if a client comes to us and saying that he wants to find new partners for a collaboration or uh, for a special, you know budget, grant, or whatsoever, we would take the time and then do that for them as well. We will advise them on uh, which partner should be good, whether it would be an academic partner, or whether it would be best to have an industrial partner, uh, those kind of things. So we are here to audit their activities, and if we think uh, among their activities, some of them might be eligible for another kind of uh, budget, you know, kind of different grants and those kind of things. It's our job to um, to, to advise them on, on that specific point, yeah, of course. No, that's good, and I, I appreciate that. I think um, the more we can kind of untangle what you're doing on a daily basis, uh, it, it's, it's helpful because, you know, and we talked to you guys about this over and over again. You don't want to just say, oh, management consultant, I really like that title. Uh, somebody said in the chat box, yeah, it's got good vibrations. Well. What are you doing on a day-to-day -day basis, right? Is your daily lifestyle going to have good vibrations for you too? Thank you for joining us for another Industry Careers for PhDs podcast. If you're interested in attending one of these interviews live, 
or if you're interested in getting access to the full interview, including all of the background materials and show notes, go to cheekyscientist.com backslash association and learn how to become a associate. Uh, you can get on the wait list for the next association enrollment period there and learn full details about the program. It's a program specifically designed to help PhDs transition uh, into top industry positions. If you would like to see receive more of these interview highlights uh, via our podcast uh, sent directly to your email, go to cheekyscientist.com and email subscribe under where it says start here. If you haven't already, you can also subscribe to this podcast on iTunes. Um, until next week, remember your value as a PhD and start thinking and acting like a successful industry professional.